Good morning and welcome to Contact on Connect FM. I'm your host, Michael Clement. It's November 9th, and so we're unable to have it live on Saturday, but this Saturday is Veterans Day. And so in studio live with me this morning will be Mr. Paul Sprague, who is a veteran, and we're going to hear all about his service to our nation. And we'll do that after we return after these messages. Contact on Connect FM is brought to you in part by Community County Services for local family-based mental health. Hi folks, are you having problems with your child at home? Is their behavior a problem? Are you at your wits end? If so, call us for more information. Community County Services, we provide family-based mental health. Call for information at 371-8066. We work to help you keep your family together in a healthy way. Community County Services, 371-8066. Welcome back to Contact on Connect FM. I'm your host, Michael Clement. It's a great morning here as we celebrate Veterans Day. A little early, but uh, we're going to bring all of our attention to it and how important it is in our nation that we celebrate our veterans. I want to give you some history first uh, before I introduce you, Paul. All right, that sounds good, Michael. In 1921, an unknown World War I American soldier was buried in Arlington National Cemetery. The site on a hillside overlooking the Potomac River and the city of Washington, D.C. became the focal point of reverence for America's veterans. Similar ceremonies occurred earlier in England and France, where an unknown soldier was buried in each nation's highest place of honor. In England, Westminster Abbey. In France, the Arc de Triomphe. These memorial gestures all took place on November 11th, giving universal recognition to the celebrated ending of World War I, fighting at 11 a.m. November 11, 1918, the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. The day became known as Armist Day. Armist Day officially received its name in America in 1926 through a congressional resolution. It became a national holiday 12 years later by similar congressional action. If the idealistic hope had been realized that World War I was the war to end all wars, November 11th might still be called Armist Day. But only a few years after the holiday was proclaimed, war broke out in Europe. Sixteen and one-half million Americans took part. 407,000 of them died in service, more than 292,000 in battle. Armist Day changed to honor all veterans. The first celebration using the term Veterans Day occurred in Birmingham, Alabama in 1947. Raymond Weeks, a World War II veteran, organized National Veterans Day, which included a parade and other festivities to honor all veterans. The event was held on November 11th, then designated Armist Day. Later, U.S. Representative Edward Reese of Kansas proposed a bill that would change Armistice Day to Veterans Day. In 1954, Congress passed the bill that President Eisenhower signed the proclaiming November 11th as Veterans Day. Raymond Weeks received the Presidential Citizens Medal from President Ronald Reagan in November of 1982. Weeks' local parade and ceremonies are now an annual event celebrated nationwide. On Memorial Day 1958, two more unidentified American war dead were brought from overseas and interred in the plaza beside the unknown soldier of World War I. One was killed in World War II, the other in the Korean War. In 1984, an unknown serviceman from the Vietnam War was placed alongside the others. The remains from veterans were exhumed May 14, 1998, 
identified as Air Force First Lieutenant Michael Joseph Blasey and removed for burial. To honor these men, symbolic of all Americans who gave their lives in all wars, an Army Honor Guard, the 3rd U.S. Infantry, the Old Guard, keeps day and night vigil. A law passed in 1968 changed the National Commemoration of Veterans Day to the fourth Monday in October. It soon became apparent, however, that November 11th was a date of historic significance to many Americans. Therefore, in 1978, Congress returned the observance to its traditional day. And so now we have Veterans Day, November Nove- 11th. November 11th. Sir, I wanted to get, first welcome to Contact. We appreciate you coming in. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate you having me here. Paul Sprague is a veteran, and so we want to thank you for your service. Mm, uh, thank you. My, You know, and my some of my listeners may know, I'm a veteran as well, having been an Air Force guy, and I believe you're an Army guy. Yes, I am. Proud <laughs> Army guy. <laughs> Second generation. Second generation Army. Yes, so I want to get your thoughts on what I read. How important is it that we celebrate? I think it is very important not only to celebrate for us, but also to teach it to a younger generation, to let them know the sacrifices that were made for them, to remember and honor the people that served. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a proud history there. Some people, some people gave their lives. Too many people gave their lives for our country. Veterans Day being about all veterans, but it's still important to remember the ones that we lost. Absolutely, and I think there is a obviously a difference. Veterans Day is for all veterans, right? Whether you've unfortunately died in service to our nation or have passed on just from older age, but uh, we celebrate all veterans for this great nation, uh, all wars that our country has been in. Yes, and it's nice to see the veterans organizations doing ceremonies. It's nice to see the school having programs, bringing in relatives of the kids that are going there. It gives them a sense of pride. Yeah, it sure does. And I would say I know different groups do different things even here locally. Uh, You can go to places like Morningside Cemetery at times and see different ceremonies. Right, right. The American Legion um, here in Dubois does the Memorial Day program at Morningside Cemetery. Been doing it since, uh, don't quote me on this, but 1922, 1923. Um, Had it every year except for COVID. Even during COVID, there were people up there um, walking the soldier circle to remember the loved ones that they lost. Yep, and so we have different ceremonies uh, throughout the year to remember, whether it's Memorial Day or Veterans Day. Um, I'm always grateful. I get stopped every year uh, by a young man to to give me something. Uh, He and his mom do it. Am I I allowed to mention the name? You can. Okay, Mr. Levi Strong. Yeah. For a number of years has been, yes, he's been um, stopping by uh, quite a few veterans events and giving out their tokens. Yeah. uh, Usually a pin, a picture they've taken, uh, little words of encouragement. Yes, no, and I'm stopped every year. In fact, they asked (laughs) if I'm going to be around this year. Unfortunately, on Saturday, I'm out of town, but. It warms my heart as a veteran. It's great to see him. They they do so much good. Um, at this point, I know they've given to a lot of people like yourself for a number of years, but it's still interesting to see when they they give that token to somebody who's never received one. 
just the look on the face. Yes, the first time yeah. I will remember when Levi handed it to me and his mom asked if if her son could, and uh, it does. It, it kind of yeah. reminds you that, yes, we're, yeah. we, we don't brag about it, but we served our nation, it's, and, and it's a big deal. It's it a really great is. honor. It really is, and they were very— Levi and his mother are both so respectful about it also. They definitely love to honor the veterans. They absolutely do, and so we appreciate Levi and his mom. Sir, but we want to turn our attention to veterans. You're a veteran. I'm a veteran. We could sit here for hours probably and tell (laughs) stories, Um, but I would like our listeners to hear about Paul Sprague and his service to our nation. Can you tell us about when it started? I I can do that. It, It goes back to 1982, I actually signed my contract um, one month after my 17th birthday. I was a junior in high school. I signed what was known as the delayed entry program at that time, where I, I finished my junior year of high school. Uh, a week after the last day of class, I shipped off to Fort Jackson, South Carolina for basic training. Um, when basic was over, I came back, finished my senior year, and another week after that, I shipped off to Fort Lee, Virginia for my schooling. So that's where it began. Uh, basic training, a lot of good memories, a lot of bad memories. <laughs> yes, I, I could talk about basic yes. training for a while, but if you can, sir, in the, in the 80, early 80s, 82, uh, can you tell us what basic training was like for you and how that all went? I'm sure you I, remember. I remember it. I remember it very well. Some I wish I didn't. Um, on a side note, though, one of my drill instructors was also a member of the Old Guard. Oh, wow. Before he yeah. was a drill instructor, he, he served at the tomb. Which um, is great history and a great unit. It, it really is. And, and your listeners, if they ever have a chance to go to Arlington, definitely take that opportunity. I've been there a few times, um, and it is beautiful, and it is it, it is, it is uh, heart-wrengingly sad as well, right? Yes. It, it is emotional to watch them do the changing of the guard and uh, the laying of the wreath. And if you do get to see it, that's a great point, Paul. You should absolutely it take is, the time definitely. to go see it. Definitely. Um, Basic training at 17 was scary, to be honest, to begin with. And now you've just come from Dubois to, 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 to Fort Jackson being thrown in with a lot of people that you obviously didn't know. And how did you get to basic training in 1982? It was a bus. It was via we bus. We took a bus down to the reception station, mm-hmm. as it was called at the time. I don't know if it still is or not. Um, and as soon as you step off that bus, you have your drill instructors, which were typical of what you would see in a movie yes in your face yelling no matter what you did no matter what you said it was wrong correct and if you were corrected and and said what you thought was the right thing the next time well the answer had changed <laughs> correct <laughs> i remember that yep all right so uh, if you can go into uh, like basic training what was it like for you what, what was going on it was up in the morning three maybe four o'clock in the morning uh, take care of your personal needs. Definitely make your bunk. Uh, breakfast. Physical training. Running a few miles. Uh, where I was stationed on Fort Jackson was known as Tank Hill. Which obviously there was a water tank on top of a hill. And I was in the, the old World War II wooden barracks, open bays. Um, so you had everybody right there. And we would usually run down the hill 
and then turn around and run back the hill. (laughs) Then after that, you had a little bit of personal time to clean up and change. You would have breakfast, and then you would do a lot of classes. You might go to the field for maneuvers or rifle marksmanship. Um, One story I do remember from rifle marksmanship, we had come in from the range, and we were in formation getting ready to go to lunch. We stacked our rifles in tripods, but we did not place a guard on them. So we went to lunch, and when we came back, three-quarters of the rifles were missing, which is not a good thing when you're in basic training. Um, One of the other companies next to us had noticed that, and they came over and decided to pull a little prank on us. So needless to say, we were doing a lot of push-ups that day. I can imagine you were. Yeah, the drill sergeants were not happy. I believe that. Yeah. So it was, it was classroom, it was field training, a lot of physicalness. Um, it started off more physical than mental, get you in shape, and then toward the end there were a lot of, of mental workshops, classes to get you ready for the Army from that aspect of it. And I would imagine in the early 80s it was all about the Soviet Union and it, it, uh, the it, Cold War. It was. We had just changed over from the green uniforms, the solid green, to the woodland Mm -hmm. camouflage uniforms. Um, The theory was if we were going to war, we were going to Europe with Russia. Sure. We needed that woodland camouflage. There was a lot of bivouacking, going out and digging the foxholes, sleeping in tents in the woods, maneuvers, getting up before dawn for the the stand twos and at night the stand downs when you would get up and expect the enemy to attack. Mm. And a lot of times we did have somebody attack us just to see how we'd react. Yeah, I find, uh, I found basic training to be very interesting now that I can reflect on it when you're in it. I'm not sure you're thinking it's interesting, but I... No, you just want it to be over. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But... After 20-plus years of being able to reflect on it, you do learn a lot of things. You, you do learn a lot of confidence things, <laughs> mental things that are helpful in life You in definitely general. do. There was the, uh, the victory tower that we had, which was the wooden wall that you climb with the ropes repelled down. There was a two-rope bridge where your feet would be on the bottom rope and the hands obviously on the top rope, and you'd have to walk your way across. There'd be, there was a one-rope bridge where you wrapped your leg around it and pulled yourself over. Um, a three-rope bridge, which was much easier to cross. There was a net to climb up. There were obstacle courses. So it was a lot of confidence, that things that you thought you could not physically do, and you were driven to do them, which was a large confidence booster. Yeah, and, and if you... I know um, you actually did. If you unfortunately see war up close right. in a situation, um, having that confidence and knowing that you can get through whatever is happening around you is Whatever's very thrown vital. at you. Yeah. Right, right. Um, so on that note, flash forward 20 years. Yep. And I am in Iraq. Luckily, I was in a unit. It was a military intelligence unit where we would go out and recover assets that were on the battlefield, equipment to bring back to be tested, to be torn apart, to see what makes it work, how it might be changed, how we can defend against it. We had a, my unit had a security team with it, 
uh, long-range reconnaissance patrol, um, an infantry unit. So if we were attacked, they would be able to help us defend. Now, we did have our own weapons, um, but the there were only two or three times where we actually got into a situation where we were fired upon. Luckily, we never had a fire back. But one thing that sticks in my mind is the first time that happened, I had a machine gun, and the training just kicked in. You didn't even think about it. You took your defensive position. The selector switch went straight to fire. And after the situation was over, just looking back what just happened 10 minutes ago, you knew you were prepared. And there were things in basic training that I thought about then that I hadn't thought about for years. And it's just the way the military, there's a reason they drill it into you. Absolutely. So when it happens, you don't have to think. Yeah. Right. And it shows yeah. that the training works. Right. That's exactly. That's why we do what we do. Exactly. And so that was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it was 2003? 2003, yes. And so that would yes. have been not too long after 9-11? Correct. Uh, the beginning of the push into Iraq. Right. Um, I had been transferred involuntarily to a unit in Maryland. Okay, involuntarily. So involuntarily, right. yes. Mm. The uh, the unit was put on, I'm not sure of the technical term, but it was on a list preparing to go over, and they were short-staffed. It was a an Army Reserve unit. So to fill their ranks, they were reaching out to people that had the job specialties that they needed, and I was in one of those nets that they cast. So I was transferred down there. I spent probably three months as a reservist going down for the weekend. And on February, no, I'm sorry, I believe it was January 31st, um, I was at work and I got a phone call. Missed the call because I was at work. Sure. And I kept trying to call back. It was my first sergeant from the unit. Uh, I probably called him 10 times. Could not get through. After work, I called. I got through. And he said, well, it's a good thing you didn't get through earlier because our alert status has gone from standby to activate. So I had probably two days. And I had a report on February 2nd of 2003, Groundhog Day. Mm. So that's my memory of Groundhog Day. Um, the unit had been activated. We spent spent about a month and a half at Aberdeen Proving Ground in Maryland, training, um, coming together as a unit. A lot of us had never done the technical analysis that the unit required us to do. So there was a lot on that side of the house that we needed to learn. Being reservists, a lot of us needed to get into better shape. Sure. So it was not as intense as basic training, but there was PT in the morning. There was drill and ceremony to remember those things. Um, there were classes on operational security for when we go over, um, briefings of what would be going on, what we can expect, how to recognize the enemy. There were mock sessions of being attacked, of terrorist attacks, what to do in a hostage situation. It was very, it was very intense for a short period of time. 
There was a lot packed in before we shipped over. Um, we landed the last day of March in 2003. Spent one day in Kuwait, and the next day we loaded onto our equipment, and we drove over the berm, as they say, into Iraq. Um, one thing that stands out, when we were in Iraq going through a lot of small towns, don't remember the names of them. Sure. There were rifles everywhere. Everybody in town had a rifle, and they were being fired a lot. So that was scary to begin with because you don't know if you're being fired at or it was just firing into the air. But we also saw a lot of people that weren't happy we were there, and they let us know. Mm. And what stands out the most for that is there were four or five people that were running their fingers under their neck while they were looking at us like, we're ready to cut your head off. So that was our introduction to Iraq. That was your introduction to Iraq. Yes. yes. The welcoming committee was there for you. <laughs> um, yeah, let's turn around and go home. Right. Yeah. Um, but that's why we serve, and I exactly. actually think the world was a much safer place. Uh, we're going to take a break, sir, but uh, All right. we I just want to reiterate, we appreciate your service to our nation. And same to you, Michael. Thank you. Contact on Connect FM is brought to you in part by Lifespan Family Services, located in the Dubois Mall for local adoption and foster care services. Lifespan Family Services provides foster care and adoption services. What is foster care? It's supposed to be temporary with the idea the family will get things back to where they should be and the kids then go home. However, sometimes the parents don't get things back to where they need to be and those kids become available for adoption. LifespanFamilyServices.com, helping build families through foster care and adoption. Call us today, LifespanFamilyServices.com at 814-375-1314. Welcome back to Contact on Connect FM. I'm your host, Michael Clement, having a great veterans conversation with uh, veteran Paul Sprague and myself as a veteran, Air Force and Army guys, having a great conversation. We appreciate your stories and insight, Paul. Thank you, Mike. I just want to give you a few minutes, though, sir. Um, I know you're, uh, you are the chaplain of our local VFW, Veterans of Foreign War. Yes. So if you want to tell us about that, and I know you have some events coming up for Veterans Day. All right. Thank you, Michael. Yes, Veterans Day uh, this Saturday, as you said, November 11th, back where it should be. Yes. Um, the I'm going to also throw in the American Legion in Dubois on the boulevard, the log cabin. We have our annual pancake breakfast for veterans from 8.30 until 10.30. Uh, please stop down and socialize with us. Uh, the VFW in town, for those of you locally, um, you know it's been a rough year for us, but we're back on track. We do have our Veterans Day program at 11 o'clock. We are honored to have the state commander of the VFW as our main speaker. Uh, we have a lot of new people involved this year. There'll be a musical selection by the Dubois Vocal Arts Ensemble. The auxiliary at the VFW does a wonderful job providing lunch afterwards. And then we are also going to have a chili cook-off. We were contacted um, by a local group, uh, Clearfield Jefferson Suicide Prevention Initiative, promoting awareness of veteran suicide. So they want to promote that with a chili cook-off and raise funds for it. That will be at 2 o'clock. Uh, $5 donation unless you're a veteran, and then that is free. 
Yeah, that sounds like you have some great events coming up. It is. It's going to be a very full day. A very full day. uh, Worthy celebration, worthy causes. Uh, My show will be dedicating time to mental health, including for our veterans here through the month of December. That is great, yes. um, We appreciate you. We appreciate your service to our nation, Paul, and to all of our veterans. Happy Veterans Day. And And thank you for having me and, and... Thank you for your service. Well, I appreciate it. We could go on and on about my time in the (laughs) Air Force and what that looked like. But uh, like you, I did some time for Operation Noble Eagle, which was part of uh, 9-11 terrorist attacks. So aftermath. That was the response. But unlike you, I never left our nation for my time in service. But we all wear the uniform, and it's just all part of it. Absolutely. So to all of our veterans, happy Veterans Day. Have a wonderful day.